Hello and welcome everyone to this episode of STEMcast podcast. The goal of our podcast is to create an accessible resource for all students at all levels of STEM to be mentored by leading professionals and advance their careers. Your hosts for today's podcast are myself, Sana, and Derek. So I think it's impossible to argue that life doesn't have ups and downs. And when things go wrong or you think your life has taken a turn for the worse, you may feel it's like an impossible task to remain strong and persevere. Thankfully, there's people who will guide you through the journey back. Today, we'll be interviewing someone who does just that, Mr. Landry. So let's start off with a brief introduction about yourselves. Tell us about your background, your job title, and where you work. My name is Louis-Philippe Landry. Um, I am a psychotherapist, a registered psychotherapist in Ontario. Uh, my background is in, um, I'm a counselor in spiritual, um, and, sorry, I'll restart this one, uh, and made in spiritual counseling. So I graduated in 2008 from St. Paul's University, uh, a master's degree in psychotherapy. At that time, we, call, we called it counseling. Uh, now we have actually advanced in the field and we're now registered psychotherapists, which means we do a lot of talk therapy. Big okay. words <laughs> to say talk therapy. Okay, thank you. Um, and where, where would you work? I would work, actually, I work currently at Montfort Hospital, and I work in my private practice. So, actually, I spend a lot of time talking to people online right now. <laughs> this is Perfect. a booming business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can imagine right now. Yes. So, I guess now, this is like an even more pressing question, like, what do you do as a psychotherapist? For example, like right now, what would your typical day look like as a psychotherapist? A typical day would, um, I would divide it maybe in two spheres. I, in the hospital setting, I do group therapy. So this uh, means uh, I sit down with uh, a few of my colleagues, a psychologist and a psychiatrist, and we offer uh, therapy in a group setting. So uh, what's interesting about that is we help a lot of people with mental health difficulties, serious mental health difficulties. Um, we help them better manage their emotions so they can actually overcome a lot of difficulties that maybe somebody else would take for granted. For instance, being able to be at work. Mm -hmm. Work, is, it can be taken for granted. And right now, working is kind of difficult for a bunch of people because <laughs> we're either yeah. at home or yeah. when we go, there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of That's anxiety. Getting foot in the building right now. So uh, in the hospital setting, I would help a lot of people who have difficulties with borderline personality, avoidant personality, um, uh, dependent personality, people who have um, sometimes very, not for their own reason, not for their own intentions, but have difficulties maintaining uh, non-conflictual relationships. So that's sort of what I do in the hospital. In the private sector, I actually help a lot of people uh, who have difficulties man managing their emotions at work. A lot of professionals come to me and we sit and talk uh, together. We sit, <laughs> I'm at my computer right now, but we still sit together uh, and talk the difficulties they have um, maneuvering through work. We, we, albeit a conflict maybe with a boss, a coworker, and sometimes those conflicts uh, fester a lot. So I help people 
better understand their emotions, better, better tolerate them, and better choose what to do with them. So that would be it. Yeah, that makes sense. And what would you say like the most common thing that people come to you for is like the most common um, problem, I guess? Um, what they come initially for is usually better managing emotions uh, in the context of depression or anxiety. Uh, the surprise uh, of most people after we start their work is actually they realize it's managing emotions and managing relationships. Uh, oftentimes, most of my clients are surprised how simple can be difficult in the sense that simple emotions can provoke a lot of conflict, a lot of um, waste of time at work, actually. Like if you're trying to waste uh, a lot of time loss, I should say, at work, because if you're trying to manage an emotion, like you're anxious about a meeting, anxious uh, about seeing coworkers and stuff like that, uh, it's kind of surprising that coming back to primary emotions and better managing your emo uh, your relationships, sorry, uh, it gives uh, a new sense on how to be efficient at work. If you're calm, probably you'll be a better worker. If you're more happy, probably you'll be a better worker. So most clients are kind of surprised. They come for me for depression, burnout, anxiety, but then we end up working on something else and they're kind of, whoa, this was linked to that? Yeah. So yeah, it's kind of a the surprise for them to tell um, how efficient emotions can be actually. So what character traits are needed as a professional psychotherapist? That's the great thing about psychotherapy. You get to have many character traits <laughs> and still get to do it. It's funny because uh, we've been taught in our master's program and afterwards in the professional programs I did that you are your own tool. It's kind of ironic, but then we take that for granted too many times. But actually, you can only be yourself, eh? And if you're yourself, well, you better understand how to use yourself in a psychotherapy, psychotherapy relationship. So uh, there's many character traits. One of the ones that sort of is my trademark is I am kind, but not nice necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> Most clients say, LP, you're such a kind man, but you're not always nice. <laughs> so it's kind of my character trait that comes out in therapy and people really love that because um, my own is, yeah, I, I love encouraging my clients. I love encouraging people to be the better version of themselves. Yeah. So most people re resonate to that, but I have colleagues who are more quiet, more reserved, and they're great listeners. Look at that. That character trait is really good in psychotherapy. And there's like these creative types that you sit down with them and they have like many ways of communicating stuff. So you have like multimodal learning with them. So they might bring, have a piece of art in their offices and have clients talk about that and then nice. guide them through that. So it's so cool. You get to have different personalities involved in psychotherapy. It's, a, it's quite a, uh, an understanding field, I would say this way. Yeah, it looks like there's quite a variety. There is a variety. Yeah. 
Um, and what kind of strategies or tactics do you usually use to help your patients? Ah, that's a, that's, there's many of them. And when I, when I was preparing for this meeting, I was like, how can I answer this as efficiently and quickly as possible? So I'll just say, I'm very good at asking questions that guide people to where they need to go. And I'm very patient, even though I am a driven person, I'm very patient. So usually I'll ask them questions that they might not have thought of asking themselves. Like for instance, did you ever think that this emotion played out in this scenario? And people are like, oh, no, I didn't. So the, I have a little bit, that's one of my tricks of the trade is how to instead make a statement, ask a question. Instead mm. of asserting something for people, verify. Mm. That's, that's, a, that's sort of the two tricks of the trade for me. And I guess that can also kind of lead into like, personally, what brought you to psychotherapy or like what drew you into pursuing that? Uh, that's a long story. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was, uh, I always knew I wanted to be a psychotherapist. So even as a teenager, uh, I would analyze my friends or <laughs> don't do this at home people. We have to have the training for it. But uh, I guess I've always been a curious person. And that uh, a curious of human nature, curious of human emotion, curious of just better knowing people. So when I was a teen, I used to get invited. Uh, I mean, get invited. I would love being invited to my friends for dinner <laughs> because I would know how my friends would react if we would be in a conflict together. <laughs> Uh, my friends were so natural in their environment so I would know as sort of a screening for my friendships that if I had dinner with them I would probably better understand them so that was my uh, rough initial uh, initial take on it in psychotherapy but later on I knew I wanted to do this uh, I did actually um, in like three fields that involve the sociology, anthropology, and psychology before doing my master's at St. Paul's. So I've always been curious of human relationships, I could say, and actually learning to be myself and accepting who I am was very useful in this because I think I've been blessed by um, being good at my job, being good at helping people, and yeah, my curiosity as a kid paid off. It got really encouraged. My family was a very curious family. Mm -hmm. uh, I was blessed with that part. So that's sort of how I got in this field a, a little bit. Okay. And what kind of collaborations exist in the field of psychotherapy? Would you say, is there anyone you work with particularly close with that actually benefits your patients? It's a very, very good, uh, very good question. Uh, in the hospital setting, I work with psychiatrists and social workers and other psychotherapists, uh, psychologists as well. So that multi-team approach, uh, multi-profession approach uh, is very useful for the clients we see there. In my private practice, I am more open a little bit on this because I'm interested in a more holistic view of taking care of 
ourselves. So that that's brought me with like um, some people who work in the, the massage industry, working with neurology and that uh, uh, not neurology. Um, Neuroscience, <laughs> neuroscience uh, in that field. So better under, understanding how it works. Also on another optic like design, because this is a part that being online now is very important for us. And learning how to use design to actually have your platform be more user friendly is very important now. So technology is kind of important. So having collaborations there is important because it, it dictates a little bit your client experience. If you have to click like 70 times in order to see me, you're probably not going to like that. Yeah. So we're, on the private sector, it's much more important to understand the view of technology there. And um, also other people who are sports enthusiasts. Uh, this is, the fun part of my private practice, because I get to actually blog on this and have people join me and blog themselves on this avenue. So that's a, a fun part. The hospital the part is more professional, more like let's be a team and work to help somebody who has serious diagnosis overcome um, their life obstacles right now. So having a lot of people involved in your field is very important. Uh, on hospital, it's more uh, mental health professionals. Outside of hospital, again, mental health professionals, but being a little bit more open to creating um, a dialogue with other professionals in order to help people better. So mm. it is quite important. Having a good network helps. And I guess part of like the establishment of that network um, comes as you like progress through your career. Um, yeah. So what kind of like, uh, I guess for the people listening, what kind of like education and training uh, did you need to like get to the point where you are? So uh, to get to the point where I am uh, quite succinctly, <laughs> uh, bachelor's degree, MA, that's the academics of it. Uh, afterwards you're not even started yet they say you need to have 10,000 hours in order to be called a master in your field so I probably hit those 10,000 hours in uh, 2012 now and we're to 2020 uh, so I understand a little bit better but then afterwards I got a training uh, I had the chance to work with trauma working uh, with addictions, then working in the hospital setting, uh, in the outpatient psychiatric hospital setting, and then actually do it now, this year, launching my own practice. So there's a lot of training involved in this, and I was blessed at being trained for four years with a psychiatrist in a specific uh, approach, which is called mentalization-based therapy. And this is not something that comes along uh, for psychotherapists a lot. So when you're lucky to find a good mentor, a good supervisor, this helps greatly your own practice in the sense that you become the best tool you can be by learning maybe new approaches and not doing the same thing that might have been done uh, oftentimes in other approaches. So yeah, I don't know if it gives a little bit of an answer to you though. No, that was good. 
I guess I can just quickly uh, ask like a little follow-up question. Would you like sure. recommend opening up a practice, your like your own practice, versus just pursuing it in like a hospital setting? I would recommend people build uh, a little bit their um, their experience. It, launching a private practice when you're a newcomer, either you have a lot of skills that you're translating to the private practice, or it's better to build a little bit of a of a resume before doing that, I think. Uh, yeah. my, uh, my approach to it was that build a resume, build a reputation, and then afterwards try and translate this uh, to the private practice field. You need to know which clients you wanna yeah. help. And oftentimes when we start in the field, we don't know totally who we can help yet. Yeah. And, and it's normal, it's like you do the studies and then you, put the studies into practice. And sometimes you try stuff and you, I remember I wanted to work with teenagers. I, I love teenagers, but it's not the clientele I, I, I wanna work with anymore. It, it changes and then you have to work in that field a little bit to understand what you like and, and maybe it's more of a, a problem for you or more of a difficulty. So I would suggest people work and there's the, the, on the community aspect, like uh, community-based agencies, there's a, there's quite a few of them in Ottawa right now. Um, in the hospital settings, usually they're looking for a little bit more experience, maybe five years experience in most hospital settings right now. Um, and because also a, a part of being a psychotherapist is supervising other people. So it's a very important thing in our uh, college in Ontario require, requires us to uh, have at least five years experience. Mm. So again, the 10,000 hours there almost applies, eh? Yeah. So yeah, starting in private practice, I, it, it depends. Some people are very resourceful and for them, if it's a natural fit, I encourage them to do it. Uh, but I am more of the old school, I'm gonna learn first and then apply it later. <laughs> so I would recommend people do that as well because in private sector you need to you don't have that colleague where you get to talk with in case you want to spearhead a few ideas or if you're not sure of something you did or said with the client uh, you don't get to knock on the door so you have to actually build a network for that of people you trust and people who are professionals in your field and that can take a little bit of time as well so because yeah, private practice can be very much isolating. Ironically, yeah. we help people break isolation, but it is, uh, it is, it can be isolating a little bit as well. So yeah, I do recommend building a strong network first, building a resume, and then if you, if private practice is for you, man, <laughs> go for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and now that in today's world, do you see? there's any misconceptions in the field of work that you do? That many times I cannot watch a psychotherapist on TV and not, not uh, squirm a little. <laughs> We're all, not always, but oftentimes. And it's probably true for every field. Like if you're, uh, if you're a police officer and you see police officers on TV, it must ring sometimes not true. So, Misconceptions about therapy is, yeah, my therapist can read my mind. Eh, I cannot read minds. 
<laughs> the training I had, uh, it was actually very useful is reading emotions in people's faces, which is called the affect, the expression, the outward expression of the inner emotion. So that's a, uh, that's what we do. We usually, and that's built on experience, but yeah, we cannot read minds. <laughs> also, not all of us only sit and say, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, tell me more. I, I do do that, but not in this way. <laughs> I actually have to ask more than one question. So yeah, uh, yeah. Oftentimes, in, also, I don't think therapists are there to swindle their clients. <laughs> so yeah, I see that on TV all the time. There, you can see the therapist yawning or therapist trying to build as much money as they can, or like. Um, like that movie, that old movie, Now I'm Gonna Date Myself, but analyze this with Billy Crystal. He's involved with somebody who's in the mafia. Not that it, it couldn't happen, but I think they would be more ethically uh, involved and more ethically sound than going on a trip with your client in Miami or something like that. Mm. So, yeah, I think therapists sometimes are a little bit... Um, pegged as uh, unethical, there for the money and stuff like that. So yeah, I, no, I don't think it's a, it's more of a calling than yeah. being there for the money. And I guess, um, like in your opinion, where would you see uh, psychotherapy being in like, for example, 10 years? Uh, in 10 years, it's probably a natural progression. So psychotherapy, it's not new way. Eh? It's been yeah. there for quite some time. Um, like there used to be like an old uh, Catholic approach, the confessional, I would call that a form of therapy, a form of psychotherapy as well. We've evolved scientifically to this. And then we, again, we're doing this professionally now. Um, and I think in 10 years, probably it will be more stripped back to basics, but technology, but, but technologically inclined. Because, <laughs> yeah, right now uh, we're doing a, a meeting on Zoom. A while back, I would have went to your office, did, sat with you, and probably had somebody film us with all this huge equipment. Now a, a computer can do the same yeah. job, which is great. <laughs> it's almost tripping back to basics, eh? Yeah. There's not 15 people. I don't think you have 15 people hidden on the other side of that screen. <laughs> I am alone in my office right now. So there's a, a technologically yeah. stripping back of eh? I love I love that term. You guys get to take it if you want to use it later on. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's true. So therapy, it's a very strenuous training. Uh, it's a very rewarding training, but it, it, it's going to be stripped back. So complicated stuff, I don't think is going to be useful in 10 years as much. We're gonna come, we're, I think, coming back to basics and using technology, technology to favor that, if I can say it yeah. this way. Yeah, yeah I agree. And uh, so COVID-19 has affected everyone, but how has it affected the way you perform your job? So I know earlier you mentioned you're doing a lot of uh, video interactions instead of face-to-face -face with your clients. Yeah. Do mm -hmm. you think this can be the new normal? Uh, do you like it that way or how, how would you want it to be? 
Ah, I love that question. Uh, <laughs> the new normal, eh? isn't tomorrow the new normal? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't want to be too quick with that that term yet, new normal, because I think in that sense we are who we are and we do what we do, eh? So yeah. it's just do we have the possibility to do it? So with COVID-19, it's funny because I was preparing in August last year transition to private practice. I was going to use a video to do intakes because I live on the Quebec side, but I practice on the Ontario mm. side. And as long as my clients are sitting in Ontario, I, I have a right to practice. So I was going to use that to do intake, essentially per session, sitting down with people, uh, and then going to my office. So I maximize the time I'm there. I love uh, putting my time to good use so I could be at home with my kids, which I love, being at home with my wife which I love even not more, but still. <laughs> and then being able to spend time with them, go drop them at school, have a coffee with my wife, and then go back to Ottawa. So that was purely out of comfort that I wanted to do the online thing a year ago. And then COVID came, and I was already prepared. <laughs> It's kind of a, 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 a great blessing because I was already doing those steps to learning how to navigate the online therapy part. So finding the right program in which I did many hours trying to locate the program that would have the experience be as user-friendly as possible for my clients. And when they come to my practice, they see that they're like, wow, it's seamless. I love that. Thank you for doing that. Most of the feedback is totally positive. Unfortunately, some of my colleagues and I, and I speak to them, and they, they are more purists in that sense, more traditional in that sense, where they prefer seeing people face to face. I am glad, as long as I have a face, mm. <laughs> I can read a lot of nonverbal. I'm good. Uh, of course, it has a certain limitation. So when I do the clients that I do at, in the hospital setting, it's preferable to see them in person. You never know how an interaction can go, especially with somebody who's coping with a lot of distress. So it's often a little bit better to see them in person, which can be difficult in this season. Um, on a more functional aspect, the, the technological part is very great for, for people who want to learn how to better manage their emotions, relationships, and stuff like that. I would love for, and I'm not sure, how to do this but I would love to be able to uh, have my clients instead of looking at a camera here that I can look in your eyes and see your eyes directly that would be yeah. the best thing ever <laughs> that would be the best thing ever because either I'm, I'm it looks like I'm looking at myself either I'm looking at you and you don't know I'm looking at you <laughs> and that's Derek by the way <laughs> <laughs> And now I'm yeah. looking at Santa. So, <laughs> so we don't know this. So probably a more optimized way would be to have sort of this integrated camera on your screen where you can actually see people. That would be my wish list. If I would mm -hmm. have that, man, oh man, I would be more efficient. That would be terrific. But you know what? Uh, I'm glad that we get to do this because I think that, like I said earlier, just ripping back to basics, sitting down with somebody and just talking about emotions and talking about 
who they are, how they feel, and how they can maneuver everything has been facilitated with the online platform. Because there's a lot of companies who were doing this before, but they really rallied when it came to COVID. Yeah. So it sort of gave this jolt of energy to have some have, um, apps that are efficient, very practical for psychotherapists. So there's a few of them out there. I encourage everyone to do the research on that. But yeah, I think my wish list for the next season is a camera that I can look in sub at somebody on the screen and actually see their eyes. That would be like, wow. I, I can imagine something like that being developed. So I think it's looking good. Uh, yeah, um, I'm pretty sure. And before we wrap up, just quickly, do you have like any extra advice? Because I know you already mentioned kind of some tips for people that wanted to aspire uh, yeah. to the same field that you're in. But do you have any extra advice that you would give to like high school students or undergraduates that want to go into psychotherapy? First one was be yourself. Uh, we cannot pretend. We all aspire to be Freud or whichever psychotherapist, Marshall Linehan or uh, Aaron Beck. Uh, but we can only be ourselves. I think a lot of the times when I see students who come to me for supervision, they try to be me. It's impossible. The goal of being a great psychotherapist is to be yourself and knowing who you are and knowing your strengths and limitations. And the, the, the way to get there is actually to be honest uh, with yourself. Be truly honest. Sometimes we like to... Um, sugarcoat the truth a little bit in order for us to boost our ego a little bit. But I think in this field, we need to be really honest with ourselves. If we're not honest, we're not going to work on ourselves. And if we don't work on ourselves, I don't think we're going to be able to help climb as efficiently. And we need, this is, there's no like how to do this. There's just being yourself and having a good mentor or somebody who's, as a little bit more experience in the field, very useful there. Um, be humble. This is one of the things I look at when I interview students for, for a, a, a field placement position. If they're not humble with me, I'm probably gonna, not going to take that, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. Being humble is very important in our field. I know I, I can come across as confident sometimes, but I am very humble in the sense if you tell me something that I don't agree with, but you make a good point, I'll take your point. Mm -hmm. I'll listen to you. So that's a great, a great skill, learning to be curious and listen to people, being open not that you might not know all the answers. This also is very important. Um, enjoy learning something new about yourself. Yeah. This is probably the thing. I hope that when I grow old and I pass, <laughs> that the last day I'll be here, I'll still be learning something about myself. And most people who know me would tell you, yeah, probably LP is going to be learning even on his last day. So I hope that I, I had that chance. And I, I wish that on everyone who wants to be a psychotherapist is to actually learn something about yourself it doesn't need to be like this huge thing but if you're open and curious you can go along way in this field uh, and most of us who actually go a long way have that character trait so that's probably an answer for a, an earlier question right there 
Um, but yeah, that's, those are the tips. Like be yourself, know who you are, learn, be curious, and always try to evolve in the, in the sense of learning something new on yourself. Okay, so it looks like those are all the questions that we wanted to ask you. Thank you very much for taking time out of your busy day to help support our podcast and our audience. As for those of you at home, we hope that you enjoyed this episode and learned a little more about what it's like to be a psychotherapist. And we hope to see you in two weeks for our next episode. Thank you.